What is going on? Blue Jays memes here, and this is not an official episode of Aces on Bases by any means. However, recently, somebody who has gained a lot of popularity on Twitter, as well as TikTok over the past year in the Jays community, is Craig Ballard, and he posted a video giving his thoughts on the upcoming season and specifically from my understanding in regards to there being a possible lockout with a new CBA still not having been agreed upon as of this recording, and I believe it has another week before the current CBA expires and then we'll officially technically be in a lockout. So I was asked to watch Craig's video, which he posted. It's actually three parts because you can only upload two minutes and 20 seconds worth of video at a time. So I believe overall the, the video ends up being about six and a half to seven minutes. But I was asked to watch it and give my thoughts on it. So I haven't watched it as of yet. I'm going to watch it and give my thoughts as I record this. And be sure you check out Craig on Twitter and and TikTok. I believe on TikTok, it's just Craig Ballard. It might be Craig underscore Ballard. On Twitter, it's Craig Ballard 77. So be sure you're checking him out. And I am going to just go on to his Twitter and check out this video. Give me one sec. All right, so here we go. Let's let's see what Craig's what Craig has to say about the the impending lockout and possibly any other topics he may cover in these in in this six and a half minutes. Hello, friends. Craig Ballard bringing the Jays talk to TikTok today. Actually, MLB talk as we dive into the reasons why I don't think we'll see a baseball season in twenty twenty two. At the very least, not a full baseball season. So right off the bat, I do disagree with that. I'm going to hear what points he has to make. But I do think we are going to get as close to a full season as possible. I mean, it's it's November 23rd as of this recording. I believe December 1st is when the CBA officially expires. December Midnight on December 1st. So they have two months before spring training. Or, well... Pitchers and catchers report in early February, and then spring training games usually start late February, beginning of March. So they have pretty much three to four months to get this hammered out, not including spring training. Obviously, they are going to want to get some spring training in before they get to the regular season. So if it does cut into, if this lockout does cut into the start of spring training, then yeah, I can see them losing a part of the season. But I mean, right now they have they have two months to figure this out before players even start reporting for spring training. So I think they'll be fine. We'll see. It's still very, very early. But let's hear what else Craig has to say. Now, the collective bargaining agreement between Major League Baseball owners and the Major League Baseball Players Association expires on December 1st. And while we haven't seen a Major League Baseball work stoppage since 1995, I do think we're staring one right in the face here. In 2002, we were this close. 1994 was really the last work stoppage. Although in this video, Craig does make a note that from 1972 to 1995, MLB had eight work stoppages. But the last one was really that strike that wiped out the 1998 season. 
and I believe it did cut into part of 1995. I believe it cut, if memory serves me correct, it cut into the opening part of 1995, but I still consider that part of the 1994 lockdown in, in my mind. Close to a player strike, and last time the collective bargaining agreement CBA expired in 2016, we almost had a lockout, and things have only gotten worse over these last five years, in particular from a player standpoint, and the players are going to be looking for big changes, and lots of them. The last minute agreement back in 2016 was seen as kicking the can down the road for a lot of the bigger issues, so a lot of important things coming to a head during these negotiations. Now, we're all baseball fans, but we're also fans, many of us at least, surely, of other sports that are in our hearts, that are in our souls. So I want you to think about another sport you follow and think about the relationship between the team owners in that sport and the players association in that sport. I bet the relationship is ugly. I bet those relationships are combative. I bet there's not a lot of trust. I bet it leads to things getting accomplished very slowly, if at all. Well, the relationship between the baseball owners and the Major League Baseball Players Associations make those other relationships look like they're holding hands, skipping down the beach, enjoying their harmony. I don't know how accurate that is, especially, and I'm going to use the NHL as an example. They've had about, I think, th at least three, possibly four work stoppages since the time of the lockout that wiped out the 94 season for, for MLB. So, I mean, I can't imagine that MLB is in worse conditions than, than what the NHL is. I, I think once, once the current agreement between the NHLPA and the NHL owners are expired, I think you're going to see another lockout from, from the NHL. So, I don't necessarily agree with Craig here saying that the relationship between the MLB Players Association and the MLB ownership is the worst of any sports. None of us know that for a fact. None of us are, are insiders. So I, I don't know what the relationship's like, but just just going off the the I, I hate to say this, but going off the eye test of the last 20, 30 years, to me it seems like the NHL probably has the worst relationship of any of, of the big North American leagues when it comes to owners and, and the players association. But let's keep going. The relationship between the baseball owners and the Baseball Players Association is U-G-L-Y, and it got no alibi. It's ugly. These sides have already been in negotiations for about a year and a half and have accomplished little to zero. In fact, each side has presented an offer to the other side, and each time the other side has refused to discuss things further as each proposal contained things deemed as non-starters for their side. With these two combatants, even these smaller issues like player meal allowance, travel protocols, sharpening the COVID protocols, advancing to more cumbersome issues like the international draft, expanded playoffs. Once you get into expanded playoffs, how do you agree on what the format looks like? How do you agree on what the revenue split looks like? So that's already about six or seven issues that are already going to take forever for these two sides, competitive, competitive sides to work out. All right, so... I will plead ignorance. I don't know a whole lot about the issues that are currently up for debate other than the big ones, as Craig mentioned, like the the expanded playoffs. Universal DH is another topic that I'm sure is going to be, be brought up during these negotiations. But, I mean, the MLB has conceded on some of these, these smaller aspects already. In particular, MLB teams paying for housing for their minor league systems. 
and I believe that now includes paying for their for their travel as well. I may not be correct on that, but I know they're they're going to be paying for for minor league housing now too. So MLB has conceded some stuff already. So to say that it's completely ugly and that they're so far apart on everything and neither side is going to is making concessions to this point I think is is inaccurate and again I don't know all the all the smaller issues that are going to be up for debate in, in this new CBA but the MLB has already conceded to some things and again I'm I'm not an insider so I don't know everything that's going on I don't know what they I don't know if they've possibly conceded to other things already that we haven't heard about or not. So how long will that take and how much damage from a bargaining and good faith standpoint would have already been done before even getting into the main course issues that need to be deep dived? Okay, so that was video one of three. So let's move on to the second part of of these videos. Players looking for massive changes to several big ticket items. We're going to hear the term competitive integrity often throughout this process. As for the players, that means checking off several boxes. For example, having a minimum team salary. Players feel like there are numerous teams currently who do not commit financially to the big league product. And in fact, they'd rather they just as soon have one of their own walk away in free agency so they can get that valuable draft pick that comes with losing a player in free agency. That draft pick becomes young, inexpensive talent labor that they have that and they have that young inexpensive talent labor for several years before that player gets the free agency and they do the whole cycle all over again okay this part i agree with tanking has become a major issue not just in baseball but in other sports too but especially in baseball you see teams tanking all the time in in their rebuild years in in order to accumulate high draft picks and i mean it can be done well like you look at the you look at the Tampa Bay Rays and what they've been able to do it, it's like Tampa Bay doesn't have a high payroll i i was looking at it earlier and i think Tampa Bay's 2021 payroll ended up finishing at just over 50 million dollars for the season actually let me let me pull that up cuz i was looking at it earlier let me see if i can pull up the those stats again sorry so Tampa Tampa Bay's total payroll for 2021 ended up being just over 70.8 million dollars. Cleveland had the lowest payroll at 50.2 million dollars and Baltimore came in second last with 53.755 million dollars in payroll. So, I mean, if you look at Tampa Bay as an example, it can be done. You can have a small payroll and be successful. I know Cleveland doesn't like to spend a lot of money and they've been competitive in the past. They haven't been, they weren't competitive this year, but I know they've been competitive in the past with relatively low spending compared to other teams. Same thing with Oakland. O- Oakland notoriously does not like to spend money, but they they still compete in the in the AL West year in and year out they're not always competitive but even if they have a bad year usually usually they're back the following year so it can be done and in regards to in regards to Craig saying that players want to see a minimum spend for teams 
that could be accurate. Again, I haven't heard that. I haven't been paying that close of attention to the CBA. But man, it's it's going to be hard because what what do you make the minimum? Because a lot of teams, if if you if you force that if you force that minimum, there are a lot of smaller market teams that may not be able to afford that based on what the minimum ends up being if you have that in. On the flip side of that, I mean, you know, the owners have wanted to have a salary cap for years. That was one of the main contentions uh, of the of the 94 lockout that that ended up shutting down the season was that the owners wanted a salary cap. So if the players want a, a minimum spend for 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 the teams to force teams to be competitive, you know the owners are going to want to counter that by having a maximum salary cap that teams aren't allowed to go over. And you know the players aren't going to side with the salary cap because players in the MLB have never sided with the salary cap. So that will be an interesting one. That that might be that might be the most hard-fought battle if if true, if true that the players do want a minimum team salary to force teams to be able to compete, then that's probably going to be the most fought point of this new CBA. Now, the owners have already proposed a $100 million floor for team payroll, which would see about half the league need to increase their spending. But attached to that was lowering the luxury tax for team payroll. Right now, that starts at $210 million. Owners looking to get that down to $180 million. Now, this... So, yeah, so if they if they upped... If they if they had a minimum hundred million dollars spend, that would have affected eleven teams in Major League Baseball this past season. The Milwaukee Brewers came in just under a hundred million with ninety nine point three seven seven million dollar payroll in twenty twenty one. Texas, Arizona, Oakland, KC, Detroit, Seattle, Tampa Bay. Miami, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, they all came in under $100 million. So yeah, it would have affected at least 11 teams. Colorado was the next highest spending team after Milwaukee, and they spent $116 million, $116.4 million. Of course, a lot of that was probably offloading the contract of Arenado to St. Louis, which they're still paying for. So that's probably a large chunk of that. If they didn't have Arenado on the books, then they're probably below a hundred million dollars. But you know, of those of those hundred million dollar teams, like four of them were playoff teams slash playoff contenders. Tampa Bay and Milwaukee both made the postseason in 2021 with a payroll under a hundred million dollars. And Seattle and Oakland were still fighting for a playoff spot going into the going into the final weeks of the season. Oakland ended up just falling apart towards the end. But I mean, Oakland and Seattle were both competitive for most of the season with under a hundred million dollars in payroll. So yeah, so like Craig said, it would affect just under half the league if you if you made a hundred million dollar minimum spend for payroll. This is a huge issue for the players. The players have seen their average salary decrease over the lifespan of this current collective uh, bargaining agreement, and they want to dig in and eliminate the luxury tax. They claim the luxury tax has become a salary cap as owners are not willing to spend into the tax, thus capping their spending. 
We know the salary cap, oh boy, that's the four-letter word for the player side. Now, the owners also want to implement a $1 billion pool for arbitration-eligible players. So, yeah, so like I said earlier, the, the players do not want a salary cap. And, you know, the the luxury tax, Craig, Craig is right. It does, in a way, act as a salary cap because teams don't want to spend over it. Well, most teams don't want to spend over it and then have to pay the consequences for it. There are teams that still will and just don't care, but most teams don't want to spend over it. So, again, I, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. If the if the players want a minimum spend for for teams in order for teams to be competitive, teams are going to want a salary cap because if you make the minimum $100 million and you get rid of the luxury tax, things aren't going to change. You're still going to have like the the rich teams spending as much as they want. And if you get rid of the luxury tax, they're not going to be afraid to to go over two hundred million dollars. They're they're just going to they're just going to spend as much as they can to get players. And that's still going to freeze out the the small market teams because you're already forcing them to spend one hundred million dollars. And if they try to spend more, that might end up completely fucking over their franchise. So you're not going to get a minimum salary spend or a minimum payroll spend without a without a salary cap in in, in return from uh, uh, as a counter offer from the owners. So this might be the sticking point. This might be the one that absolutely drives a, a lockout going into 2022. I still think it's going to be resolved before spring training, but this is going to be the one that really drags us out until at least January and probably maybe the beginning of February. Again, huge for the players. Huge issue for the players is that $1 billion, that's a cap. The arbitration process already is another issue, another area as well where the players want to see wholesale change. I'm just going to rewind that and go back a bit. We know the salary cap, oh boy, that's the four-letter word for the player's side. Now, the owners also want to implement a $1 billion pool for arbitration-eligible players. Again, huge for the players. Huge issue for the players is that $1 billion, that's a cap. The arbitration process already is another issue, another area as well, where the players want to see wholesale changes. So they won't be happy with any of that. Further to this complication is the fact that the owners want to make it so that the players don't become free agents until they turn 29 and a half. Now, to put that in Blue Jay terms, that would mean Slim Daddy Vladdy would not hit the open market for seven more seasons, which would hurt him, obviously. Plus, it would mean extra several uh, seasons, several extra seasons where players' average salaries couldn't increase to their full potential as big earned raises couldn't be happening to the Vlad Guerrero Juniors of the world. Because Okay, sorry to cut Craig off there. Again, I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know how big of a contention that is from the owners in regards to wanting to raise the 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 minimum age for free agency to 29 and a half. I don't I don't think that's a serious sticking point. I think that's just a point for for negotiations. I don't think that's going to be something that the owners really fight hard for. I could be wrong on that, but I just don't see that as a main point that the owners are gonna are are gonna stick to. I, I think that's just I think that's just a negotiating chip. In all honesty, to their full potential as big earned raises couldn't be happening to the Vlad Guerrero Juniors of the world because they would be part of that one billion dollar capped arbitration pool. All right, let's let's move on to part three, the third and final part. 
entangled in all of this even further is the fact that the players also want wholesale changes to what they see as service time manipulation. Now, that's where teams wait, in the players' opinion, Major League Baseball teams wait to promote their star players to the big league level so that they can manipulate that player's service time, which manipulates how quickly that player can get to arbitration, which, of course, manipulates how quickly that player can become a free agent. Yeah, service manipulation has been a big issue over the years. And we saw it at the beginning of 2021 where a Mariners, one of the members of the Mariners, I think, ownership group came out in, I believe it was a shareholders meeting. It was recorded and ended up upload and ended up being uploaded online where he basically admitted that he was that Seattle was manipulating the, the service time of young players. And like people within the sport have known for years that this is what ownership has been doing. But to actually hear somebody come right out and admit it was completely shocking. So, yeah, I think this this might be another hard fought battle from the from the player's side, because, yeah, it sucks. It sucks to be a player and being held down in in the minors when you know you should be up at the major league level just because the team wants to manipulate your service time. So I mean the the owners will will fight on that, the players will fight on that. So yeah, that's probably going to be a second a second issue of of contention in in this new CBA that they're trying to work out. Competitive integrity. Are you seeing why I'm super concerned? Well, last and certainly not least, revenue sharing. Whoa, the big one. This is always a nightmare because before an actual percentage of revenue split can be agreed on, we'll have to first see these two sides run the gauntlet going back and forth to determine what even gets thrown into the pot, the revenue sharing pot. Now, currently, it's things like ticket sales, merchandise, TV, and media contracts, but the players want other things, huge other things included going forward, as the players feel that they contribute to a lot of other revenue streams that owners have. Players' point being that the owners are able to generate millions and collectively, thus, billions of dollars in officially non-MLB revenues because they're attached to, or at least from a reputation standpoint, affiliated with a Major League Baseball team. As Major League Baseball teams are not publicly traded entities, the owners don't have to be detailed or specific with their financials. So what a massively daunting starting point to get the owners to be forthcoming, first of all, with their finances, and then get the owners to agree to give more of their money to the players. Now, I hear a lot of talk about how so much money was lost with the COVID-2020 season. That came out... Yeah, so I don't really have a lot to add to to his revenue sharing bit because I don't really know too much about that issue. I haven't looked into it at all. And so I, I don't really have anything to to contribute on, on that one. But let's hear what Craig's final point here is. Talk about how so much money was lost with the COVID-2020 season. That came out of nowhere. Let's remember that. I think the difference here is that the players and owners, both sides, have prepared themselves to become very entrenched. Both sides are ready for a long work stoppage from the owner's standpoint to make sure the status quo continues, from a player's standpoint to make sure there's wholesale changes. And the owners, and hopefully I'm sure the players as well, they've had five years. They've seen this coming a mile away. It wasn't like COVID that just struck. Both sides have seen this coming a mile away, so the war chests to be able to dig in and endure a lengthy work stoppage, I think, will be significant on both sides. We're in trouble here, baseball fans. I don't think we're in trouble. Like I said, I think I think the salary cap issue is going to be the biggest sticking point 
yeah, if if the if the players do want a, a minimum floor for payroll spending, the owners are absolutely going to want a maximum for payroll spending, and they are going to want a cap. So that's going to be for me, in my opinion, that's going to be the biggest issue that there is. Fortunately, you know the CBA, like I said, expires midnight on December first, the current one. So they they have a couple of months to to work this out. As of right now, I I I honestly don't think that there's that we're gonna miss the 2022 season. I think this will probably be wrapped up by February, hopefully before the before players are supposed to report to spring training. I still think we're personally gonna get 162 games in. Of course, like I said earlier, if it does cut into the beginning of spring training, then yeah, you're gonna you're probably gonna lose a couple of games because they want to get they're gonna want to get spring training in before they get into the regular season. So if if we head into the second week of February, which is usual when players start reporting with with no CBA in place, then yeah, I think you're probably gonna lose part of the season. I think I think at most you may end up losing maybe a month of the season. So y- you might end up you might get 130 games this year instead of 162. But personally, I, I still believe that this is going to get done before spring training and that we're not going to lose any part of the season. Maybe that's just me being naive and, and hopeful. But really, I think I think the main sticking point is going to be the the minimum maximum spending issues. Universal DH, I think that's coming whether they want it or not. I think expanded playoffs are coming. Again, as Craig said in in the first part, like working out the details of that, how many teams are, are going to be included in expanded playoffs, what the expanded playoffs format is going to look like, that's all going to have to be hammered out. But I do think expanded playoffs is going to be is going to be coming in the new CBA. Yeah, I I, I I respect Craig's opinion. I just don't fully agree with it. I I like I said, I think. I think we're going to get the full season, but at most, I, 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 sorry, at worst, I think we're going to get 130, 100, 130 to 135 game season. If we lose any time, I think it's just going to be the first month, and I don't think we're going to lose any time before that. But again, I'm sticking with we're not losing any time. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. And again, this wasn't a full Aces on Bases episode. I'd like to do a full Aces on Bases episode soon. Unfortunately, everyone's kind of got conflicting schedules right now in terms of work and and, and school and everything. So we're going to try to get together very, very soon. I do want to do a season wrap up. I've been wanting to do that for the last month. I've had things going on in the per- in my personal life. If you heard my last episode, which again was was a solo episode. But yeah, as always, thank you. Thank you for listening to this. Again, check out Craig Ballard on Twitter at CraigBallard77. Follow us on Twitter at AcesOnBases. Be sure you're checking out the rest of the the rest of the episodes that we've released to date. You can find us on most podcasts and platforms. We're available on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. And of course, Podbean, acesonbases.podbean.com. And guys, feel free to give your thoughts and what you think is going to happen with this new CBA. And having said that, we will talk to you again, hopefully, very, very soon.